Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Amazon Women on the Moon podcast where we go through the movie Amazon Women on the Moon segment by segment. I'm Rob from The Great Escape Minute. And I'm Todd from the Forgotten Filmcast. And we're once again back to discuss another one of the commercials in this particular movie. This segment, we're dealing with Art Sale. So this this was a really interesting one because as, as we mentioned the two previous commercials, what they're doing here is a parody of all of these different types of commercials. And what they're basically doing, what they've done here is they're doing a going out of business sale for the Museum of Modern Art. We've lost our lease. That's right. Everything must go. It's the, it's that, but it's also, uh, you know, they used to do those commercials that would run on like late night TV that would be like art sales that would be like, you know, at the at the O'Hare Holiday Inn or something like that, where, you know, you, they just like have this, you know, sale where you can buy cheap prints of of works of art or things like that. I don't know. I remember those in the Chicago area. I don't know if they had them where you grew up. Yeah, yeah they had. They had. But but what I noticed more from this was what reminded me more of this is the whole Crazy Eddie stuff. Now, do you, do you know the story of oh, Crazy yeah, Eddie? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was New York, so we didn't get him where I was growing up. But I remember seeing, like, on, um, like, various TV shows, you know, like... I, like probably on like bloopers and practical jokes with uh, Dick Clark and Ed McMahon, they would show like clips of Crazy Eddie or things right. like so that. Right. So Crazy Eddie was was a was an electronics chain that they had in the northeastern part of the U.S., which uh, there there were a lot of problems with it. So they, they they'd have the guy's name was Eddie Antar, and he was the the guy who was doing all these commercials, and he would always say, you know, Crazy Eddie's gone insane. And, you know, the prices we've marked down and they would do it the same way that they do it in this particular scene where they're showing different at, different things that are being sold and saying, OK, this was uh, $400. We're going to sell it at $10 or whatever it was. Right. And the whole idea was, is, you know, that he's he's a crazy retailer and everything that he's doing, you should go by there because of everything that 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 he's done and stuff like that. And I mean, he he got into a, a lot of trouble with uh, with the law. He ended up. Uh, <laughs> I I have a feeling, if I remember correctly, he was he was maybe embezzling, or he wasn't 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 filing taxes, or or something like that. He he did he plead insanity because you know he was crazy. Yeah, uh, apparently in 1987, the U.S. Attorney's Office of of New Jersey started a, a federal grand jury investigation into the financial financial activities of Crazy Eddie, and in September of that year. The Securities and Exchange Commission initiated an investigation into alleged violations of federal securities laws by both Crazy Eddie and a lot of his employers. Eddie Antar himself was charged with a lot of serious crimes, and he fled in February 1992 to Israel, where I live. And oh my! <laughs> and he he was he was living here for for three years before they extradited him back to America in January of 1993 in order to stand trial. And he was convicted of fraud. And then it was eventually overturned. And then he eventually pleaded guilty in 1997. And then 1996, excuse me. And then 1997, he was sentenced to eight years in prison and had to pay a lot of different fines. He was eventually released from prison two years later in 1999 and he passed away in 2016. So it, it's always been fun 
the the, the whole idea of crazy eighty. Now, I, I kind of want to see that turned into a movie. You know, like you know, you have this story about crazy Eddie and then he gets in trouble and he goes on the run and then you've got some, you know, government agent that's on the lookout for, you know, trying to find him. It's like, catch me if you can, but with crazy Eddie, I, I, I think that's a hit in the, in the making, right? That's there. a great idea. That's a great idea. All right, Todd, we'll, we'll have to get on, on this when we, when we finish podcasting, we'll have to start <laughs> writing a script for this. We'll get the pitch and, meeting going. Yeah. And basically the, they 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 claim that he stole a lot of his ideas for the commercials from from a used car salesman whose name was Earl Madman Muntz. Oh, <laughs> Madman Muntz! That's the name of John Goodman's character in Barton Fink. Or no, that's Madman Munt. It's very close, though. It it could be that there's a connection there. And yeah. basically, they they say that that Crazy Eddie, the the store, they had forty three different stores in the chain in four different states and they were making more than 300 million dollars in sales every year so and what happened was is that eddie antar cashed in a lot of his stock (laughs) and resigned (laughs) and that's why the problem was that that's where most of the problems started so i can sort of understand these these problems yeah i know and in 1989 the company filed for bankruptcy surprisingly of course course. (laughs) i know that you know pretty much i mean just about everybody i think in the u.s you know you're going to have an example in your region of somebody that did those kind of weird commercials where they were marking things down and acting kind of crazy you know when you started talking about it it flashed me back to my college days um i went to college in peoria illinois but we would get TV from neighboring places. So there was, uh, I remember these ads that were, that would run for a furniture store in, I want to say it was in like Champaign, Illinois. Um, But there was this young guy who was like, had a mullet and stuff. And he would be like, I got these, uh, you know, this, uh, this cabinet set here for 149. And then his grandpa was standing there next to him. The grandpa wore like a cowboy hat and had like a horse whip and he would start whipping and going, no, go downer, 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 downer. He go, okay, okay. 49 99. And, and they used to call him grandpa downer and stuff. And I looked it up and you can find those weird commercials on, on YouTube with, uh, the old man shouting, downer, downer, downer. Uh, anyway. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, this, this segment was actually directed and I think also written by Carl Gottlieb, who, do you, uh, did you look to see where, what, what he's done? He's actually written seven movies. And uh, I, of those movies that he's written, one of them is he wrote the screenplay for Jaws. Oh, that's wrote, right. Yes. He wrote Jaws 2. He did the screenplay for Jaws 3. He did the screenplay and story for The Jerk, starring Steve Martin. He did Dr. Detroit, which you mentioned on one of our previous segments, mm-hmm. that he was the writer of Dr. Detroit. So, I mean, he's 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 done some some interesting things. He's, he's had a lot of uh, cameos and stuff like that over the years also. He's got a small a part in the movie MASH, which I just watched a few weeks ago for another podcast. I mean, I've seen it many times before, but I just rewatched it a few weeks ago. So, Did, did you recognize him then? Uh, no, I'm trying to remember which character he played. I remember looking at that, but at the moment I'm struggling. He played to... Ugly John. Ugly John. I don't know which one. I don't know Ugly who, John. I, I don't know. You, so what, you did a movie the month of it. It's not, not a... One of the characters that didn't make it to the series. <laughs> yeah. In in the jerk, he played Iron Balls McGinty. 
In Jaws, he played Meadows. What other movies? In Johnny Dangerously, he played Dr. Magnus. Those are pretty much the, the, the roles that he, that he played in, in movies. So that was... Uh, that was fun. Now, what what I liked about the the way that this segment starts off is it, it the first. Did you notice what what is they have is, you know, as as everyone knows who's listening to this, the the way that Amazon Women on the Moon is works is you know they have this movie called Amazon Women on the on uh, on the Moon, that's a 1950s B movie that if you pay attention, I think they keep changing around what what year it came out, but mm-hmm. that doesn't really matter because we're not discussing that. But every so often there seems to be problems with it, and that's why they flip two different segments. So what they have at the very beginning of this one is a thing on the screen that says, place commercial here. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) And then it starts off. So then the only actor that we actually see in this is a man named John Ingle. Yes. Who is an actor with a quite a long list of, of credits. He passed away in 2012 at the age of 84, but he had 72 different acting credits on TV and 17 movie credits. Most of his credits in the movies are very short, small little credits. Uh, he was in Batman and Robin, he played a doctor. <laughs> it just just called him Doctor. Death <laughs> Becomes Her, he played the eulogist. Robocop 2, he played the Surgeon General. Heathers, he played the the principal, Principal Gowan. Oh yeah, yeah, he was the principal in Heathers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I uh... for one hundred thirty one years, this great institution has amassed what many consider to be the finest collection of art anywhere in the world, and now it can all be yours. I was struck by two things in his filmography that I was like, wow, that's that's interesting. First is, um, and we, I, I think on our previous uh, talk about a commercial, we talked about someone who had been on many episodes of a, of a soap opera. So this guy, though, I mean, had way more soap opera appearances. He was on 493 episodes of General Hospital. Wow. I mean, that is wild. That's nuts. Um, and 79 and, episodes of Days of Our Lives. That's the one soap opera my mom used to watch. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, so I you should ask your mom, mom. You should, you should ask your mom if she remembers who he was. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that she'd remember that. Far. I I only remember back when Luke and Laura was a thing back in the seventies or early eighties, whenever that was. Um, but then the other thing that I thought was interesting on his uh, filmography, apparently he is the narrator on like all of the direct-to-video Land Before Time movies. Wow. I, Which they made like a hundred of those. Something like that. I guess <laughs> so. I guess they liked his voice. He he had a good voice for them to use. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Now what, what I noticed was is that first of all he, he was in five episodes of the Drew Carey show where he played a, a priest named Father Seymour. And, oh, and great show. And great show. I remember there was a a short lived show in the early nineties called Life Goes On with uh, Corky. You know, it was about a family a yes. family dealing with, uh, you know, a teenager with uh, Down syndrome. And so I remember that. Mm-hmm. So he was on three episodes of that. Now, what's very interesting is he was on one episode every year, one in 1991, one in 1992, one in 1993. He played the same character, but in every single year, <laughs> every single episode, he's credited differently. He's Father Holdwin, H-O-L-D-U-I-N, the first year. Second year, he's Father Holoquin, 
H-O-L-O-Q-U-I-N. And on the third time, he's known as <laughs> Father Holquin, H-O-L-Q-U-I-N. <laughs> so... Uh, I, I I wonder if that's just uh, continuity errors or, you know, or they just were trying to get the name right every single time. They just said, oh, well, we'll make it a little better this time than we did last time. I don't know. But uh, that's called they get interns to type the credits and they make mistakes. Apparently. So I just thought that was that was funny. So basically this, what this whole segment is dealing with is trying to sell everything in Museum of Modern Modern Art. Right. MoMA. Yeah. MoMA. Right. So he starts off by saying that, okay, we've been around for, for 131 years, and he's supposedly the curator of the Cosmopolitan Museum of Art. Ah, it's not even MoMA. It's the uh, Coma. <laughs> I don't know. Cosmopolitan Museum of Art. <laughs> there you go. It's the, the, the... Come to a coma. There you go. He's the curator known as Felix Van Damme. which, again, they give a name. It's supposed to be sounding like a very uppity type of name. For, for someone here and, and he, now, he's looking around and he's telling everybody how we have the, the finest collection of art anywhere in the world. <laughs> now that opening shot, um, you know, cause it starts close on him and then the camera pulls out to a, you know, a, quite a distance. And we see the, uh, the front of the museum and the banner unfurls that says going out of yeah, business. But, but I love how um, he, he raises his arms and stretches them out. You know, it basically reminding me of, okay, everything must go. Yeah. Well, and as I watched that, I went, I know I've seen that building before. I'm pretty sure that is not a museum. And I looked it up uh, just comparing photos and such. And that is um, Los Angeles's famous city hall. Uh, you've seen that in many, wow. many other films. That's the building that appears on the you know, like the police badge, when you think of like Dragnet, you know, there's a building on the Joe Friday badge, you know, that's that's the building. And you see like Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks walking up to that building in several shots of the Dragnet movie. Um, and that building has showed up in many other films. I think that is the building where a few years ago when Adam West passed away, they projected the bat signal onto that building. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I when I saw it, I went... Okay, I know the, that that building has archways on it. Uh, so I was thinking, I think that's the building. But then I went and examined some pictures, and there's some little rectangular windows kind of on the the corners, uh, on the edges of where those archways are. And I was able to match that up with a photo. So I'm pretty certain that is L.A.'s City Hall that we're well, actually Well, Todd, you, you really went, went above and beyond for that. There's no question about that. I mean, I actually just looked, <laughs> looked to see if it's... Hey, my my future son-in-law is an architecture student, so I had should to have him do the work. <laughs> yeah, I should have. I now, didn't think what, what I found that. interesting was is after you mentioned this, I looked in the credits, and they don't give any particular thanks there to you know the Hollywood or anything like that. The, I mean, I'm sure someone will be discussing later on about the whole credits in this movie, uh, where they just have something in there that says "Hi, Sean," and, and special thanks, "Hi, Sean." <laughs> but makes you makes you wonder now um, you know, where, if you know why they don't they didn't actually give any thanks to you know being able to film there. I wonder if they did it by you know without particular permits or anything. No, they had their permits to do this. Oh no, they had to have gorilla style. Yeah, yeah. no, probably no, not. LA. The, the, yeah. the different statues there and stuff like that. You know, 
Yeah. Oh, and, and, big and he says too, we've lost our lease. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> we've been renting out the place. <laughs> you think that a museum like this, you know, would work? Yeah, I mean they turn they turn it exactly. into a Starbucks later, I guess, or something. Maybe not in the eighties, but yeah, yeah, but whatever. <laughs> no, and I love how they just, they have all these people it's standing funny. around. You know, it looks like they're at a, a garage sale or an estate sale. I had a teacher that would that would always go a few times yeah. during the week to, to estate sales, you know, to look for little treasures and stuff oh, like that. So he, he actually got me into to the idea of estate sales at one point. I mean, I never went with him, but when he mentioned it at one point, I was like, oh, when I think it was when I was in probably 11th or 12th grade, I wanted to, you know, buy a VCR. And I was like, well, why should I buy one brand new? It's a lot of money for, you know, for a teenager. So he said to me, oh, go to the estate sales. Yeah, you can get good stuff there. And I, I went to a few, and I remember getting certain things. I don't remember what I got. I, I know I didn't get a VCR. I once called up someone and, and wanted to buy a VCR from him, and he, he gave me a price. And I said, well, can you can you chop it down a little bit? And he was like, look, I'm I'm trying to actually, you know, I, I need money to live. <laughs> I can't sell it to you for, for, for almost nothing. <laughs> but From the old masters of Europe to the conceptual artists of today's Soho. We're talking Rembrandts, Botticelli's, Gauguin, Cezanne, Matisse, Renoir, and the chairman of the board, Leonardo da Vinci. I love garage sales and estate sales and the flea markets and things like that, because you go to those things and you find all this great stuff that you never knew you needed until you saw it sitting there yeah. on somebody's card table, you know. Uh, so, like yeah, a, that's, that's a, a, a Woody doll, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. Oh, you were the guy yeah, who took it, weren't you? <laughs> no, I had. I have a Woody doll. I got one in a Happy Meal, or it wouldn't have been a Happy Meal. It would have been from Burger King. But I remember I had that thing on my desk because I used to always, you know, collect those things. And my daughter, when she was like three years old, stole it from me. Oh, it wow. took years okay. before I got it back. But yeah, now with, a, with garage sales, uh, I know that I remember a friend of mine and myself decided we were once going to do a garage sale. We we must have been. Uh, must have still been in elementary school and like we went to his house and we set up a table and we you know I brought over all my Star Wars figures and I brought over you know all these different things that we were going to try and sell and stuff like that oh. and and oh, nobody no. bought anything you know we put up like a few signs and I think one of his neighbors oh. yeah completely you dodged a no, bullet there that, that was you know what, what did we know as kids you know we, we enjoyed playing with them we didn't know uh, but but then <laughs> someone came over to us and said do you guys like do you get permission to do this you have to and we're like what we, we didn't realize that you can't just have a garage sale. You actually have to get a permit to have a garage sale, or at least back then. At least back then. Well, it de it depends depends on where you live, I think. Uh, you know, some places. I mean, like there was a story I remember a few years ago here in the Denver area where there was a big controversy because somebody called the cops on some kids that were doing a lemonade stand because they didn't <laughs> have a permit. And, you know, technically – they were right, but you know, it's kind of like, what kind of terrible person do you have to be to call the cops on a couple of kids that are doing yeah, a lemonade that, stand? Some of the, uh, so uh, throughout this this entire commercial, they have some great signs. You know, they have once in a lifetime twenty nine ninety five hanging on something, and there there's another one that says, you know, you have a Van Gogh where it says special twelve ninety five on four four days left. You know, you have all these people. Every band go must that's go. Right. Uh, as is, no refunds. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they have the they have the uh, the 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 coffin, the, the Egyptian you know tomb 
which is, is 1995 on it and stuff like that. This Egyptian sarcophagus from the dynasty of Ramses II, appraised at $14 million, our price, 1995. By now, and we'll toss in free of charge the original Declaration of Independence. Yeah, it's you know the the detail here is great. Well, and the way that they do this, it's funny because seeing all this stuff like this, um, we actually here in Denver just had our art museum, a, a good portion of the art museum, I should say, reopen after a four year renovation project. They just reopened it about a month and a half or so ago. And, um, you know, we went the weekend they reopened it and, you know, you're looking around and things are different now and you're going, oh, where's this thing that I used to see? Where'd they move this? And, and I've always heard that the Denver Art Museum has like, you know, way more to their collection than they could ever have the space to display. And so they rotate things through. But I, I got to admit, I kind of imagined like, oh, well, maybe the Denver Art Museum had a had a little garage sale type of thing here to, to free up some space when they did their reopening what or can, something like that. What will we be able to find in the leave it now? <laughs> you wouldn't be able uh, to believe me. There is no <laughs> space. So I'm recording this in my basement right now where there are piles of boxes i can't even see the wall on the other side of the room there's so many boxes down here wow. so i do not need anything that's on clearance from the denver art museum i assure you okay uh, another sign they have here that says a steal at 29.95 <laughs> well and of course the best thing is you know the the free bonus gift yes i mean you know the actual declaration of independence yeah now uh, which, they, they can only give it to one person i know i know yeah. and you know, they, they don't mention, of course, the map on the back. I mean, where's yes. Nicolas Cage when you need him? Shh, don't right? give that away. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I I would have gone and visited the Declaration of Independence about the time this movie came out. I remember going on a trip with my grandparents sometime around 86, 87, something like that, and going to see it. Um so it wasn't yeah, in the Cosm I, Cosmopolitan Museum of Art. No, it's not in Los Angeles. No, <laughs> it's in Washington D.C. Believe it or not. But my favorite bit about this whole segment uh, it comes in that Declaration of Independence scene because I love when there are hidden jokes in movies. Did you pick up on the hidden joke in this segment? Uh, which one? There were there were a number of them. There's, so first of all, when, there's the either you can put your own. Yes. You can, you can, you can put, put your, your, own, your own, name. own name on there. Now you might expect to pay millions for this document that shaped a great nation, but it's yours free. This fine parchment will enhance any den or playroom, and you can have some fun with your friends by adding your own name along with the original signers. And the name that gets signed on there is... John Hancock, uh, No. No, no. John Landis, the, the, right? No, no, it's Samuel Samuel L. Bronkowitz, which ah, is okay. the name of the fictional producer of the film within the film, Amazon Women on the Moon, and is also the name that was used as the producer of the various films that show up in uh, Kentucky Fried Movie, which is, yes. you know, this movie is kind of the spiritual sequel to Kentucky Fried Movie, and, you know, I always remember the announcer voice in that movie, Samuel L. Bronkowitz presents. Right. I, I, I do remember that. Actually. Girls get into trouble, you know, something like that. <laughs> yeah. So th this is a great segment. There's, there's no question about that. They, they, they had a lot of fun with this one. And, and I love how they, they have flashing across the screen at one point where it says all, all object to art subject to prior sale. 
Yes. I have no idea what that means. Do you know what I that means? I was trying to figure that out too. I have no idea. <laughs> so who knows? Well, that, that's all I got for this minute. Do you have anything else for this minute? Or segment, uh, excuse me, segment. No, no, I think, I think we're good. Remember, the Cosmopolitan Museum of Art. Every Van Gogh must go. All right. Well, you can find me at the, the Great Escape Minute. My website is thegreatescapeminute.com. Our Facebook group is The Cooler. Our email address is thegreatminute at gmail.com. And our Twitter account is greatescapemxm. And you can find me on Twitter at Forgotten Films. That's films with a Z. My blog is called Forgotten Films. That's at forgottenfilmcast.wordpress.com. And you can find my film... My podcast, The Forgotten Filmcast, on uh, all the places that you look for podcasts. All right. And if you want to follow this particular show, this Amazon Women on the Moon segment by segment show, you can go to a Twitter page where it's AWOTMP, Amazon Women on the Moon podcast. And you, you can hear about all the other segments of this movie. So until next time, have a great one. Thanks a bunch. Ain't no fucking film in here, man. <laughs>